You would open your Bibles to Exodus and chapter number 3. Exodus and chapter number 3. We're going to read, I just apologize beforehand, we're going to read a bit of a lengthy section of Scripture, so I won't have you stand. Um, But uh, we'll we'll look at Exodus and chapter number 3, and uh, we'll skip a section of that chapter and get into chapter 4 here. But the Bible says in Exodus in chapter number 3, it tells us this story. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, in the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people Out of Egypt ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, they shall say unto unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, if you would skip down to chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he cast it on the ground. 
And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. I believe Moses was scared of snakes. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said, furthermore... Unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he had, uh, excuse me, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it came to pass, if, and it shall come to pass, rather, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your word this evening, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the passage before us. And that, uh, Lord, this Sunday night service wouldn't be something we do out of a routine, but God, that uh, we would seek uh, to, uh, to hear from you. Lord, I pray that nothing I say would uh, be at all contrary to Scripture, but God, I just pray that... Um, your Holy Spirit would use me tonight, oh, Lord, not just to um, speak uh, uh, truths that do not affect us, God, but to speak uh, what your word says so that we can leave here changed, so that we can leave here different than the way in which we came. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. In the name I pray, amen. As most of you know, I grew up in a missionary family, and when I was five years old, we moved to China, and uh, from that time until I was 18, um, I was there in China. Now, growing up, I was really unsure about what God had for my life. Um, in my high school years, I thought about maybe pursuing a, a degree in engineering or pursuing different uh, degrees, and um, I kind of had it all planned out by the time that I was to go to college. I was going to um, go back to my home church there in Tennessee, and I was going to enroll in, in a school there and uh, pursue a degree in engineering. But my dad uh, w was always supportive of whatever God had for me. He, he didn't pressure me to be in the ministry. He didn't pressure me to be a preacher. But he just wanted what God wanted for me, and I'm thankful for that. But my dad had one requirement of me, and that would to be, it was uh, to go to one year of Bible college before pursuing whatever degree um, I felt like the Lord was, was leading me to. And so I had it all planned out. 
I was going to go to a year of Bible college, and then I was going to go back to Tennessee and pursue that degree in engineering. And literally within a few days, about a, a week, week and a half of being there at college, the Lord just began to hammer me about the call to preach. I can remember there was a, a, a pastor named Alan Fong. He was preaching. He was preaching about Stephen, the man of the hour. And uh, as he was speaking that night, as he was preaching that night, the Holy Spirit just began to hammer me about the call to preach. And I knew that God was speaking to me and that God wanted me to be a preacher. I can remember calling my dad that night and um, just explaining to him that the Lord is working in my heart. And that, and that the Lord had called me to preach. And he said, Zach, that's great. We're so happy for you. We're proud of you. But I want you to do this. I want you to not necessarily make anything public just yet, but continue to pray and ask the Lord to confirm it with a passage of Scripture. And that's exactly what the Lord did. And in James, in chapter number 4, the Bible says something to this nature, that there are people, they make their plans. They say they're going to buy, they're going to sell, they're going to get gain. They have it all mapped out. But life, is, it's like a vapor. It's gone just like that. And, and what, what James says is that we should not plan our own lives, but let God make our plans for us. And upon reading that, I knew what God had planned for me, and I wanted to get behind it. And at that point, I knew it, and I called my dad, and, and uh, we were excited. And I, over spring break, I went back to my home church, and went into my uh, pastor's office and said, Pastor, God has called me to preach. And I can remember him tearing up, and, and he was, we prayed together, and he was proud. He said, Zach, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that you're willing to serve God. And he says, you're preaching Wednesday. <laughs> and and that, that sense of excitement and, the, and that sense of fulfillment, just like that, turned into a sense of utter inadequacy to do what God had asked me to do. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit helps, and um, and I got through it. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Um, and and but as the Holy Spirit continues to speak to me and to to make known His will to me, comes the same feeling of inadequacy. When when a few summers later, when I was able to go back and to be in China and to um, be there with my parents and. Uh, worked there in the church for a summer. The Lord at that point just made it so crystal clear in my mind, in my heart, that he wanted me back in China, serving where he had prepared me to be. And at that point I was excited, but at the same time I felt completely inadequate to do what God had called me to do. felt completely inadequate and incapable of doing what God had called me to do. The truth is tonight is if you are following God, if you're truly following God, He is going to stretch you. And you're going to find yourself outside of your comfort zone, wondering how in the world are you going to, that you are going to accomplish what God has set before you. You know, the truth is, is that you don't have to be called to be preach or be called to be a missionary to understand this feeling of inadequacy to do the work of God. You know, it could be tonight that, that God is working on some about preaching or, or being a missionary. But it also could be tonight that God has just uh, has been convicting you about being more involved with soul winning. Or being more involved here at church. And, and 
you're hesitant to surrender. You're hesitant to follow through with God, what God has asked you to do because you feel inadequate. Maybe you think, well, that's not my personality to do such and such. It's not me. I freeze up in front of people. I don't have those abilities. I can't do it. That was the attitude of Moses in our text. Moses was no doubt one of the greatest men of the Bible. Um, He boldly goes before Pharaoh and demands to have the Israelites set free. And God uses him to, to part the Red Sea and to do some amazing things for God. He was a great instrument of God used throughout his lifetime. In Numbers, the Bible, uh, the Bible uh, says that Moses was the meekest man to walk upon the face of the earth. And in Hebrews, we see that Moses was a great man of faith. But it's as if the Moses we see in our text is a total different man than the Moses we see in the rest of Exodus. He had this this. Feeling of inadequacy. Here in verse 11, God has explained to him what he wants Moses to do. And he says, who am I? Who am I to go before Pharaoh? No doubt uh, Moses was thinking, God, do you know what I've done? God, back in, back in Egypt, I killed a man. In fact, that's the reason I'm out here in the desert in the first place. I'm running from the Pharaoh that sought to kill me. God, you can't use a sinner like me. Maybe he's thinking, God, I'm, I'm a shepherd. I'm a nobody, literally tending sheep on the backside of the desert. I'm a nobody. How in the world, I don't have any kind of position or authority to go before Pharaoh. How in the world can I do that? He felt completely inadequate. He says, who am I? And, and in, in chapter 4, in verse 10, he says, I'm not eloquent. I, can't, I don't have the uh, talents and the abilities to, to do what you've asked me to do. I can't do it. He says, who am I? Can anyone identify with Moses here? He feels inadequate to do what God has asked him to do. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that we are inadequate. We are sinners just like Moses. And Isaiah 64, 6 and 7 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. We, like Moses, are sinners. No merit in and of ourselves to offer. And the truth of the matter is, is that we... Don't always have the talents that we need to have to do what God's asked us to do. No matter how good you are at doing anything, there's always somebody that could do it better. (laughs) No matter how good you are at singing, no matter how good you are through piano, no matter how good you think you are at preaching, there's someone that can do it better. And you know... There's someone that's more talented than you. There's someone who, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the people around you, would be more fitted to do what God has asked you to do. Just, just being transparent here tonight, there, 
when I get up and open the Word of God and, and preach, I'm 23 years old. And, and honest, just, just being honest before you tonight, outside of the Word of God, I have no wisdom that I could impart to you. I feel like a young punk. I feel inadequate. But the truth is, if, if you're try, simply trying to serve God, that somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, you've understood and you've had Moses' mentality of who am I? This feeling of inadequacy. But if, if you get nothing else from tonight's sermon... Understand this, that man's incompetence is no match for God's omnipotence. Man's incompetence is no match for God's omnipotence. See, how can we as fallen creatures, as insufficient as we are as sinners, be used of God? Number one, because God uses sinners. Here in in chapter 3 and verse 10, God is all-knowing. We know this. And Moses, no doubt, knew that. And here in verse 10, despite Moses' past, he says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. God wanted to use Moses, even though he was a sinner. And God wants to use us. You know, there's a man in the Bible that was a murderer. He was an adulterer, and he was a thief. His name was David. We know that he was greatly used of God. Now, Now, Understand, we know that sin has consequences. And we know that a man can disqualify himself from certain aspects of ministry because of sin. But we also know that God is a God of forgiveness. And no matter what your past is, if, if you come before God with an attitude of, of repentance and asking for God's forgiveness, He will forgive. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. After repentance has taken place, you should not let your past sin hinder your present service. You need to put it behind you. You know, we can be used of God despite our sin because God still uses sinners. And number two, because God is with us. Moses, after, after God tells him what he needs to do, he says, who am I? And then in verse 12, he says, certainly I will be with thee. He says, certainly I'm going to be with you. Say, Moses, when you go before Pharaoh and you say, let my people go, I'm going to be with you. Remember, when he doesn't let, you, let them go, when he refuses time and time again, I'm still with you. And when he finally does let you go, and then he changes his mind, and, and the people of Israel are here, and the Red Sea is here, and, and the armies are coming. Remember, I'm still with you, Moses. Christian, when you're serving God, remember, he is with you. He's with you. Even when things aren't working out, God is with us. When you feel inadequate, when you feel like you can't do it, no, God is there with you. One of the most humbling commandments that God gave the church is the Great Commission. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. That's talking about discipleship. And whatsoever I have commanded you, that is overwhelming. 
that we as members of local of the local church have a responsibility to everyone. He says, all nations. How in the world can we do that? That's, that's a daunting task, but I'm thankful that we don't have to do it alone. Because at the end of the Great Commission here, he says, and lo, I am with you always. That's awesome. Even to the end of the world, he says. We don't have to do it without God, and I'm so thankful that we don't even have to try. God is with us. He says, certainly I will be with you. And he says that this mountain that Moses is is at and is on here is to be a token, a place of remembrance that God was with him. He's at at Mount Horeb here. We see that in verse 1. And he says, this mountain, Mount Horeb, is to be a place of remembrance so that you and the people of God will know that I'm with you. But turn to Exodus in chapter 17. Verse number 5, Exodus 17, verse number 5. This is after they've left Egypt, and they're, they're here in the wilderness. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. So they're back to Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shalt... And there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did it in the sight, excuse me, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The very place that was to remind them. That God was with them. It was the place where they tempted God and said, Are you even with us? The, the omnipresence of God is such a simple thing. A simple truth. But I believe that we often forget. We often fail to keep it in the forefront of our minds that God is with us. And back in our text, Moses, he, once again in verse 13, he says... Uh, when, when I'm when I'm come before the, the the children of Israel, when I come before the elders, who am I supposed to say that has sent me? And, and he says, God says, tell them that I am that I am has sent me. What he's saying here is, is Moses, you say who am I? But it doesn't matter who you are; it matters that I am. He says I am the pre-existent one. I've always been with you. I'm with you now, and I'm always going to be with you. He says I am. That I am. We must remember that God is always present. You know, the omnipresence of God most often is something that simply keeps us honest. Well, God's watching. I better not do this. God's watching. I need to be careful. I need to be, be, be walking right here. But you see, the omnipresence of God is something, not only should it just keep us from sin, but it should embolden us to serve because he's with us. Right there, each step of the way. There's nothing to be afraid of when God is with us. A few years after uh, my family got to China, um, there was a gentleman from our um, 
home church there in Tennessee that came to visit. And my father took him out one day just to show him around, show him the town, and he took him to the train station, wanted to show him what it was like during rush hour and just all the, the, the people that were there. And um, my dad was, was speaking with a, another Chinese man that they had come in contact with, and he felt like he needed to give this man a track, which is something that is illegal to do in China. And after he gives this man a track, within two minutes, my dad and this gentleman that, that is visiting from our home church are surrounded by policemen. It turn, come, comes to find out that this man that was given a track was an undercover policeman. And my dad, along with uh, Dean Manley was his name, they were taken to jail for about three days. Um, on, they were interrogated on and off and just asked um, all sorts of questions about why dad was here. And basically the verdict was this. They stamped their passports, nullified their visas, flagged their passports so that they could not come back into the country for 10 years. That was, that was the verdict. So, and we had 10 days to leave. So in making preparation to leave the country, we had no choice. Um, my dad went to our landlord and said, hey, we're going to have to break the lease here. We were missionaries. We got caught. We're leave. We have to leave. And... The landlord says to my father, well, do you want to stay? My dad's like, well, yes. <laughs> we want to be here, but, you know, we don't have a choice. He said, let me see what I can do. And so we're, we're still getting ready to go back to the States. And he comes back a few days later and says, don't ask me any questions. Leave the country. Apply for new passports. Apply for a new visa. And he told my dad, I want you to change your Chinese name as well. And then come back. Okay. This is a little interesting, but that's what uh, we did. We went back to the States for about a, a month, month and a half, and uh, processed all the paperwork, got uh, a new passport, applied for another visa. My dad ch changed his Chinese name, and we came back. We were able to clear customs fine. We got back to our um, home there in China, and uh, my dad took all of our passports and went to register us with the police station. That is something you have to do every time as a foreigner just to register with the police station so that they know where you're at. And as my dad is, is walking up the steps of the police station, the translator for my dad's case is walking down. And she goes like this. <laughs> my dad just ignores her and walks in. He gets, he gets a number, goes up to the window, and... The, the police officer is there. He's busy. He's not paying attention. He opens up my dad's passport, sees his picture, and looks up, and it's one of the, the men that was assigned to my dad's case. And he's like, what are you doing here? You have no reason to be in the country. We kicked you out. What's going on? My dad says, I don't know what you're talking about. Plays the ignorant foreigner card <laughs> and says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, you wait right here. And he goes to the back and he gets a folder with my dad's name on it and opens it up and it's completely empty. At this point, the police officer, all the blood drains from his face. No, no questions asked. Boom, boom, stamps passport and we're good. Come to find out that our landlord's uh, grandfather was a general in the Chinese army. High level communist party connections. He paid somebody off, pulled some strings, did something and got my dad's file erased. Moral of the story, when God wants you somewhere, he'll keep you there. When you hear a story like that, you know God is with you. 
And there's nothing to be afraid of when God is with you. And God, he tells Moses this. He says, certainly I will be with you. And then here in the part of chapter 3 that we didn't read, God goes down and he gives him the, the exact instructions about what is going to take place. He says, you're going to go and you're going to gather the elders of Israel and tell them what I've told you and they're going to listen. But then you're going to go before Pharaoh and you're going to say, let my people go. And, and he is not going to do it. And he says, not even, uh, um, let me just read it. He says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. He says, this is going to take some work. And he says, I'm going to smite Egypt with all sorts of plagues and I'm going to use you to do it. He says, this is uh, going to smite them all with all sorts of different plagues. He says, and you're going to leave Egypt, but you're not going to leave empty-handed. He says, you're going to spoil the Egyptians. They're going to be giving you things as you leave. And after this whole explanation, he offers another excuse. He says, in verse 1 of chapter 4, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Moses, after this whole explanation of what's going to happen and what Moses was, was going to do, Moses simply goes for God and says, I can't. I can't do it. And it's as if God says to him, no, Moses, you can't do this by yourself. You can't do it. But I can use you, even though you're a sinner, and I'm going to be with you when the hard times come. When you come up against something that you can't do, you're going to be able to do it because I am going to give you the power to do it. God gives power. And here he tells Moses three specific ways in how he's going to manifest his power. He says, number one, you see that, that rod that's in your hand, throw it down. And, and Moses throws it down and it turns into a snake and Moses runs off in the other direction. <laughs> and then he goes and picks it up and it turns back into his rod. He says, they'll believe you after they see that. And if they don't, there's going to be a second one, a second the thing, uh, thing that I'm going to allow you to do. He says, put your hand into your coat, into your bosom. And pull it out, and it's going to become leprous. And when you put it back in, it'll be just like all your other skin. And, and if they don't hearken to the first sign, show them the second. And if all else fails, he says, go to the river. And scoop out some water and pour it upon the dry land. And the water's going to turn to blood. And that one, that one will go. That one, uh, they, they're going to listen to. See, God, he gave Moses power. See, in the work of God, we're going to encounter things that are simply impossible for us to do. There's no way that we can do some of the things that God asks us to do. But remember, man's incompetence is no match for God's omnipotence. You see, God has given us the power to accomplish his work. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about the power of the gospel. In Romans 1 and verse 16, where it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We have been given the power of the gospel. God has also given us the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you.
the, the feeling of inadequacy to do the work of the Lord can be a healthy thing. It, it, it can be a sign of humility, a sign of just being humble. But honestly, there, there comes a point when this feeling of inadequacy is, not, inadequacy is not so much a sign of humility, but it simply shows that we lack faith in God. You see, because fear of failure in the work of the Lord is the opposite of faith in God. And God here, he tells Moses that he wants to use him. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to use you despite your past. I'm going to be with you. He says, and I'm going to give you the power to convince them. And Moses offers yet another excuse. He says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. He says, Up to this point, I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to speak the way you want me to speak. He says, I can't do it. And it's just, at this point, the Lord's patience with Moses is wearing just a little bit thin. And he says, Moses, I know you're not a good speaker. In fact, I created you. And I can still use you because I am going to help you. You see, our creator is also our enabler. God enables us to do what he asks us to do. See, God here, he, he enabled Moses for the work ahead. He says, I'm going to be with your mouth. You, don't, you say you can't speak well, and I understand that, but I am going to teach you. And you're going to grow, and I'm going to be able to use you in the way in which I see fit. It's been said that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You see, God will grow you to be what he wants you to be. So that he can use you how he wants to use you. God is our enabler. We need to remember that. You know, earlier I read a verse about um, our righteousness being as filthy rags, but uh, there's a verse in that passage which I left off, and it reads this. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, and Thou our potter. And we are the work of Thy hand. God wants to mold you. He wants to shape you and to grow you to better serve Him. God wants to use you. You see, you can be used of God even though you feel inadequate because God uses sinners, because God is present. God gives us his power, and God enables his people. Man's incompetence is no match for God's omnipotence. I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is working on you about. I don't know what, God is, has been, what area God has been growing you in. And, and that's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I encourage you this way. Do not let fear of failure hinder your faith in God. Your incompetence to do the work is no match for God's omnipotence. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for your word. And God, I just pray that as you seek to use us and as we grow to be what you want us to be, Lord, I pray that we would trust you, that we would have the faith 
Lord, just surrender ourselves to be used. Lord, I pray that as your Holy Spirit works on each and every one of us throughout our lives, that we would remember that our inadequacies are no match for your power. In thy name I pray. Amen.